These are the target files. Discussing the novelizations and audiobooks of classic and now also new series Doctor Who stories. Looking through the eyes of adulthood at our childhood memories. After all, a great Time Lord once said, there's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish some of the time. Listeners, welcome to episode 100. Yes, we made it to the century of Doctor Who target files. This is Mike. This is Lee drinking tea. This is Mike, not on his bike. <laughs> <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about season 12, the series so far, and a few other things because it's our 100th episode. Lee's managed to catch up with a few of uh, the opening episodes. We're actually halfway through now at the end of January because of two episodes. In one week around New Year, so it's a ten-parter, mm. and episode five was uh, broadcast on the weekend. Any sort of initial thoughts on Spyfall? You were talking to me a minute ago about how the opening reminded you of a bit of a 80s kids classic series we used to watch. The A-Team, yeah. The t- as I said to you earlier, the TV show that took you away from Doctor Who, and it was a good show as well. Oh, it's fantastic, wasn't it? What did you make of that movie about uh, ten years ago with Liam Neeson? And I've actually forgotten who played everybody else. It was that dull. No, I can actually I can remember who the other people were. Yeah, I quite I quite enjoyed it. It was just an action movie. I didn't see them as being the A team, but it was a it was a fun romp for what it was. The Colin Baker era, I sort of turned away over to ITV. Someone will probably correct me. Some pretty pedantic saying they were never broadcast at the same time, but they probably were. The eighteen usually played in the summer, and Doctor Who played in the summer as well, if I remember rightly. Um, the Colin era was actually start of the year, and then. How was it? The big hiatus, 18 months until autumn 86. Says me being pedantic and I've just rolled off two bits of television trivia from 35 years ago, so there you are. That's fine, we still both watch old TV from that era anyway. Absolutely, but anyway, Spyfall, big start, New Year's Day, uh, season 12. A couple of good guest stars, Lenny Henry and Stephen Fry. Why exactly did it remind you of the A-Team? It was just the way the shots were set up and the way the editing went from one to another and... Also, as I said to you before we started recording, I'd been watching the A-Team. I'd been watching it on Amazon Prime. And so to go from that to then to Doctor Who, and you could really see a lot of similarities. It almost felt like TV template. It's like, right, do this, do this, do this, do this. Not taken away from the episode itself. It just looked very... It just reminded me of that. But that's a good thing, really, in terms of action, because there was a bit of a... Slower pace to Series 11 with Chibnall, I think, and he definitely put his stall out, and this was a bit more like RTD and Moffat at his best. How would you have felt, though, if they'd all come like, running out of the TARDIS, all holding guns, not shooting anybody? <laughs> yeah, if they had come running out of the van, that would have been uh, probably a step too far. <laughs> 
and and we couldn't do with yet another assistant because there was always five, wasn't there? That's something I've struggled with throughout this series, but I thought they all had their moment. It was just so fast-paced. This story. It was a, it was a great story. You said to me many times you find it quite convoluted the TARDIS having so many assistants. But no, having all those assistants, I wouldn't say it helped the story along, but they all give, they all had their all their their moments. Yeah, as well, it's the most since Davison and before that Hartnell, you know, three companions. And um, I've got no unconscious bias towards that era. Towards that era, um, they all had their bit to do, you know, and that's seen as classic TV and a bit of bias to Davison because he was the first Doctor I remember. I think there's so many action elements in this story that it really made it flow. And yeah, I mean, we did have some backlash for, from a lot of old classic Doctor Who fans. So which affected the way it was, it was present, not only so much presented, how it was received, rather. They seem to up their game so far in this series. Series three, episode three isn't great. Yeah. That's, I know we're jumping forward a bit, but one and two was definitely a solid opener for me. Yeah, and like I was saying, Ryan and Yaz, had, they had the moment when they had to go and interview Lenny Henry. Yeah, they, they got a little bit more depth in them, and then we had a, a lovely sort of riddle of uh, a house in the outback. I mean, I had heard that actor was going to be playing that role that he was revealed as later. But um, even when he first came on screen, he played a pretty convincing character that I thought, oh, maybe that was a bit of a foiler. He is just going to be sort of a an old agent who's going to help the Doctor out. Yeah, the actual reveal itself on the plane at the end of The Master, I thought it was it did seem a bit rushed, though. Me, me personally, I can understand from a story point of view bringing characters back. I think they should have left a little bit longer before bringing The Master back. Yeah. Because, partially because Michelle Gomez was so amazing. It's just bonkers, and it's, what, that's been, like, two and a bit years now. But, you know, I think it's a good choice, but I have gone back and watched the reveal scene, and I've sort of liked it more and more. He's a good actor, and I I think he'll do a really good job with the part. But I still always go back to the original master. I don't think anyone, for me, could top Roger Delgado. Yeah, you know, for me, I grew up with Ainley, so I'm a bit of a bit of bias there. But even he's pretty pantomime until Survival, which I watched again on the new Blu-ray set the other night. You know, he's really menacing in that. He is a bit more like Delgado and even a bit extra on top of that. Um, Delgado just looked the part so much. It was just those eyes. For a man that was incredibly, maybe meek and mild-mannered, had to have this, this stare that just comes out to the screen. But I think, you know, Sasha Dewan... Definitely part two, he did a really good job. The fact that the master was dressed up in a Nazi uniform, there was a bit of a backlash for maybe a bit of racism there. He says he's got this perception filter on. She sort of releases it so the other Nazi guards do see he's a person of colour. Like, yeah. so, you know, there was a bit of a, a backlash to that. I suppose that's a good thing that would get more people watching. Yeah, and I did see part of the episode filmed last year. Um, a whole setup at Swansea Guildhall for about two minutes on screen, as All usual, right. as happens in these productions. Do you think Stephen Fry was a little bit wasted in terms of that his character got bumped off pretty quickly? You should never bump Stephen Fry off. He's nah. great. He might come back and go, Bleh! Exactly who I was thinking of. A friend years back was coming down the uh, escalator in Tottenham Court Road. What's a good trick if you can do it? <laughs> <laughs> riding. <laughs> I was going to say riding down it. Standing as it went downhill, the escalator on Tottenham Court Road. And Stephen Fry was coming up the other escalator. <laughs> oh, God, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Stephen Fry was standing there, going upwards on the other escalator. And my friend sort of shouted, Oh, hello, General Melchett, expecting him just to ignore him. And he turned around and went, <laughs> as he went upstairs. So, what an awesome guy. 
you know, Chibnall's introduced some historical figures. I got mate Luke, Luke in work. He's a casual watcher, and he sort of said that he was getting a bit fed up in the other episode with all these historical figures coming back in. But you know, if they serve the story well, they're not just sort of background. Then it's pretty good. What did you make of the Doctor teaming up with uh, two ladies from history? Wasn't it in part two, of Spyfall? Doctor Who from the very start has has always had historical characters in it. It was in many ways based around that of them going to see different you know different things from history. It was fine. Yeah. I, did, I liked that it was there. I don't mind that they use historical characters. They definitely serve the story really well. You know, they built up the strength of having female characters, and we obviously need that with the backlash to Jodie. Perfectly is well played. Still, is that still really a thing, though? Well, it's the Jody. social media bubble, isn't it? Of thinking everything's important because uh, we get to have a bit of an echo chamber, and people. You don't see how people react emotionally, do you? No. When it's just all written down. So many people were going into this wanting to hate her. It was so, it was so unfair. Instead yeah. of just going, okay, it's going to be something different. What what would have happened if, say, it was still a man, but they were black? Yeah. Or of any ethnic race? Could you then turn around and go, oh, I don't like them because they're not white anymore? It's like, that's no, that's well, no racist. Yeah, we've seen that in the last week, really, because of a big reveal we've had. We'll chat about it later on yeah. in the most recent episode. The backlash still exists, but I don't think it's helped by the fact we mentioned before there's a big TARDIS team, so Jodie doesn't get enough scenes to shine. That's how I feel at the moment about it. Do you think they're going to keep all of them, or are someone going to fall by the wayside, do you think? Uh, Tosin Ryan has just been cast in a HBO series, which is going to have two series, so possibly he won't be there. Maybe Yaz will move on as well. Um, who knows about Bradley Walsh, because he's always he doesn't necessarily, at the age need to sort of go abroad to work maybe Hollywood like the other two might give a try to we shall see but and I'd like needs to do the chase of course and shakes his head so yeah what would you score that spy for mate uh, overall I'd give it a solid 8 8 yeah 8 or even a 9 for me because it's probably one of the best Chibnall has done on his own I think were you worried at all that Chibnall was going to be the death of Doctor Who if it had carried on being as inconsistent as series 11 yes but yeah, I was worried. You know, so I think one review saying Spyfall was a really good opener. Another review saying it was one of the worst openers they'd seen beforehand. But then um, everything came together when I watched it, yeah. Eh, that's fair enough. The week after, we heard Orphan 55. Like you were saying about the A-Team opening, I felt like this was an episode I'd seen before. Elements of the McCoy era, sort of with the... You had a very sort of cheesy, bland makeup on one of the early prosthetics on the monster and it was also reminiscent of Smile did you see that Capaldi episode? yeah with the emotional robots wasn't yeah. it the emoji bots yeah uh, there was also a bit of um, sort of blandness and believability of some of the characters like the orphan girl herself I thought and she was uh, having a bit of a flirt with Ryan early on and that felt a bit a bit forced you know it doesn't feel like a natural actor because I do struggle with Tosin Cole because I've seen him in uh, a few short films before and he's really good. He really sells characters well. And it might be to do with the script, but, um, you know, he, he needs to show a bit more as Ryan for me. Because Doctor Who plays when my son goes to bed and nine times out of ten it's me that puts him to bed, I don't get to see this on, on broadcast. I have to watch it later or a week later. Because you would message me saying, this was so boring, I fell asleep. I went in there thinking, oh, this isn't going to be great. 
But I figure about 15 minutes into it, I did think, nope, Mike was right, this is an awful episode. I started picking up my phone and looking at things on eBay that I yeah. didn't even want. Because I woke up when the music got louder again towards the end and caught the last few minutes. And then there was a backlash again that the eco message at the end was forced. And it did seem like it built up the drama towards the orphan and her mother. She finds out who her mother is fighting what is the humans of the future who've devolved or whatever in, after yeah. climate change has gone badly wrong. The other guys went in the TARDIS and then Jodie started banging on about climate change and uh, it just seemed really jarring. You know, some, some of the endings in the Chibnall era tend to come around really quickly. I don't think he can necessarily write final scenes that well. Mm. Or maybe what they could have done is just let the episode run and then have like they used to have on He-Man... Jody just there giving us a positive message. Yeah. Today we learnt what would happen if we don't change what the, the Did planet. you see that? Someone did that after it broadcast. Someone put, saying this was tonight's Doctor Who and they put a still of uh, He-Man here. <laughs> no, I didn't see that. Um, some good guest stars in that. You basically had um, James Buckley playing the non-sweary Jay, uh, Jay from the Inbetweeners again. Were you just keeping expecting him to say something? <laughs> uh, bus wankers. Yeah. TARDIS... Yeah, it's hard to see him as anything else other than Jay. Yeah, even when they tried to get him to play young Del Boy in Only Fools and Horses, I completely cool. forgot they did Rock and Chip. Yeah, I remember really looking forward to that, and then it was pretty disappointing. I think they did about three of them, didn't they? They were like ninety-minute long ones, weren't they? So they didn't have a studio audience, and they were just sort of more like drama than comedy. I think I only ever saw one of them because. I hate when they do things like that. I was just going, yeah. oh, we're going to do a series of the early years. Well, I don't want to see the early years. Yeah. I like the years I saw. Because I know the BBC, before Sarah Jane Adventures, wanted RTD to do the young Doctor Who, you know, on Gallifrey, and that just would have killed the mythology oh, even more. That would have been painful to watch. I mean, they probably could have made it work for a young audience, but the fact we got Sarah Jane instead was awesome. What's your opinion, not just in Doctor Who, but in general about spin-offs in science fiction? Spin-offs or prequels or any anything, really? I'd say more spin-offs because Torchwood was a spin-off. Yeah. Sarah Jane was a spin-off. When yeah. they do other things, for example, the Ewok movies. Oh, God, yeah. Don't get me started on those. I used to love them because in the video shop down the road here when I was a child, I used to quite regularly hire them out. For some reason, just really liked them at that age. Probably didn't watch them between the age of about eight and when The Force Awakens came out about four years ago now. Um, decided to watch them. They were on YouTube, folks. Um, yeah. And um, that's where they should be because no one should have to pay for them because they're awful. <laughs> okay, I actually bought Caravan of Courage off Amazon Prime about four months ago and I started watching it and it is awful. <laughs> well, my son seemed quite entertained so we we sat through the entire thing and I probably have to sit through it again but... No, that film, one, hasn't aged well, and two, just did not need to exist. But then looking at Doctor Who, there's a lot about Torchwood that I like, you know. It's not universally popular along the whole four series, but I do like something in every series. I'd have to agree with you on that. I No, I really enjoyed Torchwood. It was, it was set in the same universe, but much more adult content, yeah. which I thought was something that was needed. Fair enough, and you know, could Chibnall bring it back after last week's... Uh... What happened on Doctor Who last week, shall we say? Uh, yes, which I, even though I haven't seen the episode, yeah. I know what happened. Did you end up watching the Nikola Tesla episode? I saw up to number three and that was it. Yeah, so we've had just a, a few since then and people can have a look on the video channel for my, my thoughts on those. Um, 
Am I going to be able to spoil last week's for you, mate? Because that was I'll pretty. Still, I'm still going to watch it. A so pretty major episode in terms I, of things. I already know what happened. Yeah. So you're not going to spoil it for me. Because first of all, um, it was rumored we were going to have a big returnee, but that wasn't the main talking point of the episode. Um, halfway through, we saw uh, John Barrowman. Um, returning as Captain Jack. He appeared on a ship above the earth talking to uh, Bradley Walsh's Graham character. John, looking a bit older these nowadays, but I said on the video review that I really shouldn't criticise because I uh, stood in the same corridor as John Barrowman at a convention a few years ago and uh, I wanted to stick a bag on my he- bag over my head because even though he's gay, folks, there's just no hope for the rest of humanity because um, every bugger was looking at him, you know. Yeah, so he returned, but then later on we had the bombshell of uh, a new female doctor. Chibnall says she's not from a parallel universe, but he has um, he has lied before, as have all the showrunners. So we shall see. What would you make of that decision, mate, you know, here or when you read it for the first time? The fe- other female doctor? Yeah. I always liked the classic stories when you saw other, you know, other people from Gallifrey. Because I'm assuming that's where she's from. Yeah, you know, what's happened with Gallifrey and the Master's big reveal that it's been burnt up? I wonder if it's got something to do with that, whether he's gone back in time and... Uh, meddled with things and is putting on a bit of uh, crocodile tears for the shock you know we saw him with tears at the end of that first two-parter seeing the planet and be burnt up so what about last week's episode what did you think of that overall um good to see the dune back much more of an rtd sort of vibe to it more the pacing like skyfall as we'd seen a bit of a slowdown in the previous couple of weeks but i'd say it's heading up there and it's probably going to be one of the best we've seen of all all who including old and new who and the thing about having Joe Martin, this uh, great actress from Holby, playing the Doctor now as well, is um, to a lot of people, she really grabbed the role straight away. She reminded you of the old sort of authoritarian Doctors, whereas Jodie's a bit more sort of chilled out and measured, isn't she? Yeah. So people have unfairly started comparing her now, saying, oh, why couldn't Jodie play like this? But it's all part of the plot, and I do wonder whether this is something we've seen has happened in Gallifrey's far future. There's a lot of things in the episodes, like um, there were a few assassins sent after the Doctor, and that's why the Jadoon was searching for a, a fugitive at the beginning, the name of the episode, because um, they were after the Doctor, who was actually Joe Martin, but she'd uh, worn the chameleon arch, so she was turned into a human. And we had a good reveal in the lighthouse where um, she got the chameleon arch back and she turned back into the Doctor, and then Jodie stepped into her um, her TARDIS, which was very reminiscent of Hartnell's, very like white interior. So people are wondering whether she's before Hartnell, which could be quite controversial. Mm. Have you heard of the season 6B theory? No. It's basically Patrick Troughton in the War Games. When he gets a regeneration forced on him, yeah. Time Lords catch up with him because he's taken a time. One of my favourite episodes. Yeah. His two companions are sent back with their memories wiped of the Doctor apart from the very first adventure they had with him. But then in the two Doctors in the 80s, Colin Baker and Patrick Troughton, um, you get an opening scene with Troughton and Fraser Hines as Jamie. Obviously Troughton looking as old as he does yeah. in the 80s, saying they've uh, dropped Zoe off somewhere. So people are wondering how that could happen. Yeah. And they think 6B is something called the Celestial Intervention Agency, the CIA, taking over Troughton's doctor before he turns into Pertwee, because we never saw his face change into Pertwee. And he goes and does a load of side missions for them. So people are now wondering... Is Troughton going to be turning into Joe Martin, this Doctor, and then Joe Martin turns into Pertwee? But then people start getting pedantic about the numbering. Yeah, that means John isn't the third Doctor. and Yeah. Yeah. And she's been forgotten. But it's so much... Uh, there's a lot of messing around to do with that, isn't there? So, with the story, if, if that was true in a story like that, they would really have to 
be picky about what they showed and what they didn't because otherwise the fan base would just go crazy and go well it, it no it doesn't line up with this or that or I still think she's alternative no matter what Chibnall says I think the master's been messing she around she won't Dr Martins is she yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I'd say Fugitive of the Jadoon score the last few that will be close to a 10 for me close to very the very best of Doctor Who Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror step up from Orphan 55 the week before that's probably a 7.5 out of 10 and I'd probably go low as a 5 or 6 for the Orphan 55 and Spyfall would be a 9 so um, loving it so far it's what I've said on social media I'm back in love with the show because it was bland in series 11 um, I don't know where this is going we often had uh, RTD and Chibnall having these two part finales and the second part didn't always match up to the first part Perhaps Chibnall will show us he can do it this season. I hope he does. So what else have you been watching and listening to, Lee? Well, I've been to... Last week I went to see David Baddiel on the second part of his three-tour trilogy, which was very exciting. The last time I saw him was with you when he did the show My Family, No, Not the Sitcom. Yeah, about his dad's dementia about two years ago now, 18 months, summer before last, I think. And then before that, we hadn't seen him there for, well, how long goes 1991 now? 28 years. 29 years. Oh, fair enough. I would have been 17. Because of Christmas had just gone, and every year I'd get most of the big titles that get released on PlayStation 4. Yeah. I've just pretty much just been playing through those, play through Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. I'm now a modern warfare. How is Jedi Fallen Order? It was Star Wars in Space. It was open world. If you like open world, Assassin's Creed, yeah. Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, it's really enjoyable. How is it compared to say I've only ever played, I think, Battlefront of Star Wars games, maybe the first one? Much better. Fallen Order is a third, uh, third person. I can't speak. Yeah. The Battlefront games I just found boring. Yeah. I, I bought the first one on day of release. I thought that's the biggest waste of £50 that I've ever done. But no, yeah. it was definitely worth the money. And Modern Warfare was cotton. Call of Duty. Just classic card, is it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I played the World War Two one they released last year. That was really good. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Did you play that online? No, just uh, had it, I think, had it with the PS4 when I got a mm. PS4, yeah. Is this your first PlayStation or second? Bundle. Um, first PS4. I had two PS3s because one, one had the red light of doom. Right. And I did have a PS2 back in the day. Never had a PS1. No, I think I had a PlayStation 1. Yes, I did. I was trying to be all cool and groovy and thought, I'm not playing video games and I'm 19, and just then discovered I'll always be a nerd, so it doesn't matter. Proper nerd, not a geek. They're all the cool ones. We're nerds. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't have the glasses with, the, yeah. with no lenses in. The other big show that was released this January was the long-awaited Picard. I haven't seen it yet, but you have. So could you give me your thoughts on that then, Mike? Good, solid uh, starter. We've had two episodes released weekly. I think I like that in the binge era. I do like having to wait. Mm. Still, you know, interesting to see if Doctor Who ever goes down the uh, all-released-at-once road. Picard, not necessarily what I was expecting. I did a binge of all the Star Trek movies, you know, including the original crew uh, movies 1 to 6, wasn't it? Just before Picard started, um, got up to Insurrection, and this does follow on 17 years later from the events of that. Yeah, Patrick Stewart fits back into the role like a glove. Yeah, no, it's it's good to see the um, you know cameos we've seen Brent Spiner so far. Um, How have the cameos been? Have they have 
have they moved the story forward? Oh, yes. Or well, they it wasn't um, just fan service of look who we brought back. Data is um, central to the story, so that's all we've seen so far. I don't, I can't think of anybody else. Jerry Ryan, she's in the trailer, but I can't remember if we've seen it yet. But um, you know, Picard, spoiler. Data turns up in a dream where he's actually on the on the old Enterprise when he was serving, just mm. playing a game against him, and that's sort of central to the plot. Some fairly interesting new characters. Some sort of links between the Romulans, possibly. There's a bit of an element of the Borg there. There's uh, sort of citations back to that. But I like the fact that they've sort of changed Starfleet in this. It's There's been a bit of a huge momentum change. And Starfleet um, is almost, well, more of an enemy now, now, really, to Picard himself. But I think what they're going to do, they have said these first three episodes, they're going to set up sort of the new crew. Because at this stage, Picard is trying to put a small crew together for a small mission. And I think it may become a bit more like Firefly, Whedon's Firefly, in that respect, which is no bad thing. Where does this slot in? I know you said it takes place after Insurrection, but where does this slot in? Nemesis, sorry. Obviously, obviously after them both, yeah. yeah. Where does this slot in? Does this slot into the Next Generation universe, or is this... No, it's not Kelvin, it's the original. Right. As far as we know, anyway, it's the original universe. Oh, that's all right, then. There's a lot of questions you can ask, you know. Some, I don't, wouldn't say harsh people online have sort of said, is this all happening in Captain Picard's head, you know, because of his age? And, but what are I, they I, saying about Patrick Stewart? They can't I know. But I think everyone's just sitting there waiting now for the end of episode three or four where I'll actually sit in that chair and he'll say engage. So. Mm. Do you think it would be all the Enterprise crew? Uh, who have we seen in the trailer? We know Whoopi Goldberg isn't in this season no. because he asked her back on a panel show, didn't he, in the, in the States? Um, we see Marina Sirtis in the trailer. Yeah. We think we've seen Jonathan Frakes, haven't we? Because he directed the first episode, Jonathan Frakes. Didn't we also see Brett Spiner? Not Brett Spiner. um, Jerry? No. Geordie LaForge. Yeah, he was referenced this episode, but I I must have missed it because, you know, perhaps I was a bit tired again (laughs) watching it last night. Apparently he was referenced. Oh, right. Because people are wondering if any, there's a, Bit of a major conflict gone on. People are wondering if everyone is still around until they get mentioned. Mm. Worf, even. Yeah, that would be great to see Michael Dorn, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if they'd still have the Hulk Hogan hair as well. <laughs> if they'll be uh, getting on now. But it's it's good to see, and I generally hope that we're not going to see sort of the Klingons behind this because it always seems to come back to them in Star Trek, doesn't it? It's Interrelation between them now, isn't there? Yeah, it's the next generation era. Evolved since the original series and they weren't they were never really if memory serves in the next generation the big band because obviously Worf was on they never really changed there's just a bit in Discovery again I suppose now but that is a prequel and I wonder where a show she's... I've still not watched no it's I think it's probably one you can skip but there's a bit of a time jump at the end of that and people have wondered why it hasn't been mentioned the Discovery at all in Picard because um, to do with the, is it Section 31, the special ops in the Star Trek universe? Right, yeah. People are suggesting that something catastrophic happened to Discovery, or basically at the end of Discovery Season 2, it jumps forward to a future point in time we won't find out until Season 3. And people are wondering if uh, something catastrophic happened, and they had to basically wipe all memory and record of it, Discovery. So I hated the main character in Discovery. I she did. took a bit of a back seat in the second season and it, it, I think it was better for it. Yeah, uh, I might give it a go. 
but then part of me thought, you know, I do love fan rank, basically. Mm. I do love going back and seeing other things, especially Doctor Who, but I thought they were going a bit, a bit OTT, bringing in the original Enterprise and stuff, even though the guy playing Pike was absolutely sensational. Oh, I'd ever, you know, I, th- I think if you're a true fan, you look like a bit of fan service now and again. That's yeah. always quite nice. This would be the only time I've never watched um, a Star Trek series I haven't seen from beginning to end. I, in fact, I regularly go back and watch episodes yeah. of Deep Space Nine. Still my favourite yeah. of all of the shows. So have you watched anything else? Lately, no. I've been, uh, well, saving up a few podcasts and things to listen to on my long plane journey next week, yes. mate. I'm off to Gallifrey One, which is taking place in a fortnight as we record this. So uh, looking forward to that. Find my picture online if you see me walking about. Tell us what you think of the show, even if it's good or bad. Yeah. So you've got so everything's ready. You know what you're doing, what panels you're going to see. Yeah, hoping to uh, measure it round, really. Uh, Chris Eccleston is there, I know. Um, Angie, who played the... Um, he played Rani in the Sarah Jane Adventures, and she was also the villainess in the Nikola Tesla episode in prosthetics the last few weeks. There's quite a few going to be there from the uh, original and the classic series. And of course, I forgot this week, um, season 26 Blu-ray was out, Sylvester McCoy, yeah. the last season of Classic Who. Uh, that's a really good set, mate, if you want to borrow it. Yes, I'll probably borrow that off you. That's probably by far my favourite McCoy season, I think. Two of them are Stone Cold Classics, the two in the middle, Ghostlight and Curse of Fenric, and the other two are very good Doctor Who 2, Survival and Battlefield. Something else Doctor Who related, well, kind of Doctor Who related. Sadly, Alan Harris, who played Bosk in The Empire Strikes Back, passed away aged 81 yesterday. Yeah. Bosk, obviously famous for wearing an old, a recycled Doctor Who um, outfit. And I trust when they lay into rest, there will be no disintegration. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Alan. Couldn't resist that. <laughs> um, Would you like that. a spin-off movie? I think Blah Wars has discussed this in the past. A spin-off movie where you see them going after a load of Jedi. You know, that that gang. The sort of Order 66. And something ends in disintegration, then we have the reason for Vader saying it. <laughs> I kind of would like it that. Is, it is brought up the whole, in The Mandalorian, yeah. where he says, no disintegrations, as, right. as though it's maybe it's a Mandalorian thing of, yeah. you know, they just disintegrate everything. Mm. But no, I would like, I'd also like to see a comedy set in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Speaking of Star Wars... Today it was released, do you remember back in 2010 when George Lucas still owned the Star Wars franchise? The Dark Days. Yes. <laughs> ah, they were Prequel right. days now. Where he was going to do a TV show called Star Wars Underworld. Yes, which apparently uh, Russell T. Davis was sounded out about writing scripts for. All right, well, the test footage was released online. Righty ho. Any actors we know of? Uh, no, it was very much everyone in costumes, yeah. just showing how to see the underworld of Coruscant would have looked. Yeah. But I'm assuming it's Coruscant anyway. Which, yeah, if you haven't, haven't seen it yet, I'd suggest that you do watch it. It's what so, could have been. Is that concept, or is it sort of with CGI included? or Yeah, with CGI in- included, it was test footage just to see. I think it was due to budgetary constraints of how much it would have cost. How times change, where the budgets they wanted for that... Is things that Game of Thrones have had now. So, as you notice, folks, got a bit of an announcement to make. Probably going to be changing, I've discussed with Lee, changing the title of this show now. We're going to move away from 
concentrating as we haven't really for the last few episodes yeah. on Target books. So we're going to be renaming ourselves Doctor Who TARDIS Files from now on to uh, concentrate more on the wide universe of Doctor Who and uh, and all the other nonsense we talk about. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. I mean, the show has definitely gone in a different direction now. Across these hundred episodes, um, so we can differentiate us as well from those that do cover the Target books uh, really well, uh, Doctor Who Target World podcast and... And the Target Book Club. Yeah, the Target Book Club as well. So Doctor Who Target World and the Doctor Who Target Book Club with uh, Alex there and Tony... Uh, so, 100 episodes in, folks. Uh, thanks to everybody. Thanks to Lee. Thanks to Alex before him. Hopefully keep listening, folks. Contact us at DW... I'll probably change it to TARDIS Files, but it's Target Files at the moment, at DW Target Files on Twitter, at Doctor Who The Target, probably going to be The TARDIS on Instagram now. Yes. Or search Facebook for our page and leave a message. And we do have a video channel with my ugly mug on it now, so um, come on. Uh, we got a subscriber this week. Thank you, young lady. Yeah, come and leave your comments there. Let us know what you think, what you'd like us to talk about, Doctor Who-wise and other. Anything, anything at all. Doctor Who Target Files was hosted by Lee Farncombe and Michael Winks. 13th Doctor theme cover by Borna Matosic. Please do check out YouTube channel B-O-R-N-A-M-A-T-O-S-I-C. You can contact Doctor Who Target Files on Twitter at DW Target Files handle or Instagram at Doctor Who The Target or leave a message on our Facebook page Doctor Who The Target Files. Please do rate and review us on iTunes and thank you so much for listening.